your professor, Ethan. And today, you're doing a very special bonus extra credit episode of the Weebology podcast. So, as you can tell, I'm alone here. Uh, Ricky is obviously isolating at his abode. So, what we are doing is we're each going to be watching one of the two biggest shows, in our opinions, for this 2020 spring season. I am watching Gleipnir, and then Ricky is watching Tower of God. And every week during this, you know, (laughs) shutdown, self-isolation thingamajig that we're kind of dealing with here, uh, we are going to both be doing a review of every episode that comes out and then, you know, throw them together for a Thursday bonus episode for you guys. So every Thursday, you'll get an episode that has both me and Ricky talking about our respective shows. So, with that being said, the show that I'm watching is Gleipnir. Now, this is a weird show. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like, I knew basically nothing about it before we read about it in the you know upcoming shows of 2020 spring um, episode that we did a couple weeks ago. And... Obviously, right off the bat, you, you kind of recognize it's, it sounds like a Norse kind of sounding, at the very least, Scandinavian. Well, turns out it is. It is a Norse word, which means the open one. And so, I'm going to give you a little bit of history of what is Gleipnir. Well, okay, to tell you that, I need to explain a little bit about the end of the Norse gods. So, this is an event called Ragnarok, which essentially means fate of the gods. And so this is a a period where the Norse gods, you know, Odin, Thor, all the big ones, Freya, etc., etc., are going to meet their end basically by all these other creatures. Um, If you've watched any of the Marvel movies, you saw the big fire demon Sitter or Suter, whatever you want to call him. And then also... There's this large wolf named Fenrir. Now that's where Gleipnir comes in. So Gleipnir has been a kind of pain in the god's side for quite a while. In fact, previously they've tried two different attempts to lock him up and keep him away and kind of hidden away, similar to Greek mythology and the Titans, right? Well, in this story, he's broken through these chains twice, so the um, dwarves were commissioned to forge a chain that is impossible to break. And this chain is, well, it is Gleipnir. (laughs) That is what it is. But uh, what they did to make it is they fashioned it out of six supposedly impossible things. The sound of a cat's footfall, the beard of a woman, the roots of a mountain, the sinews of a bear, the breath of a fish, the spittle of a bird. I don't know how any of those things are supposed to be like crazy, (laughs) you know, out of this world um, impossibles, but uh, I guess cats are pretty silent. Uh, Mountains, roots are below the ground, you know, some stuff like that. Fish don't exactly breathe like you'd uh, expect. But uh, Gleipnir is as thin as a silken ribbon and is stronger than any iron chain. And it was forged by the the dwarves in the underground realm of Nedelavir or Nedavilir. Um, so this is actually the chain that has been binding Frenrir 
until he breaks free during Ragnarok and goes and kills Odin and the rest of the gods. Um, so that's kind of some historical, mythological backstory as to what Gleipnir even means. So I think that's going to be a little bit important to kind of explain at least some of the parallels I'm seeing in the show and maybe like why they cho- chose to name it that. Um, it's definitely like <laughs> not super clear, but I'll, I'll try to, you know, connect some dots and stuff like that. So anyway, f- the first episode of Gleipnir. So this show was, well, it's listed as a seinen, so like for adults. It's got etchy kind of uh, <laughs> as one of the tags and then also... Uh, mystery, which all those things are definitely uh, ticked off in the first episode. So um, I'm seeing a lot of reviews online and stuff, and people are saying that this show is weird, and they're right. It is very, very strange. Um, so we start off, um, and we're kind of in this staticky screen. So you're kind of viewing through, like, if you've, any of you have ever, like, almost fainted or fainted before, it's kind of like the 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 world kind of starts closing in on you and you start seeing, you know, your vision is starting to narrow. Well, it's very similar to that, except it's kind of staticky and it almost looks like some kind of like technological type thing. Or if you've ever seen a gene, it's like um, those those demons or spirits or whatever, how they have that kind of like black vapor coming off of them. That's kind of what it looks like. And uh, we, we're starting off and we're, you know, we're kind of put in the place of the main character. I think that's who this is. And he's kind of like stumbling around, having a really hard time, you know, with his whereabouts and what's going on, really in general. And he's looking at his hands and they're just like these black masses that are like kind of, you know, staticky and vibrating and stuff like that. And he finds this coin and then he finds a, <laughs> a vending machine that only accepts this coin and only has the same thing, but, you know, lots of different spots for the same thing. And the insignia on the coin matches what's on the cans, cups, whatever. And so he goes up and he picks one um, and picks it a bunch of times. doesn't seem to work, so he walks away. And then all of a sudden he turns around and somebody comes out of the vending machine <laughs> as if, like, he selected him. And then the guy's like, oh, you're the one that found the coin? And then we kind of cut to our main character, who is Shiyuchi Kageya. Um, So I'll kind of get into the details of like when this show or who made this show and stuff like that in a little bit. And uh, it's kind of like less important than the actual plot. But uh, Shiyuchi, uh, we start off with him and he's kind of, seems like he's giving up on his ability to potentially go to college um, his teacher's trying to explain to him, like, hey, man, uh, you should probably go to college or do you know what you're going to do instead and stuff like that. And Shiyuchi's kind of lying to him, saying, like, yeah, I totally know what I'm going to do and stuff like that. Um, one thing in this first scene that I kind of I noticed that I really liked was they took, like, a lot of time and it was meticulously done where he – uh, Shiuchi gets up because his teacher's like sweating his ass off and he goes up and turns on a fan that's like one of those oscillatory fans that's moving back and forth and they did a really good job keeping up with you know every time that fan comes back by that it you know blows the papers in their hands or blows their hair or something like that right so that was really cool and I really like that kind of attention to detail there but we also start seeing that Shiuchi has like some weird stuff going on every now and then he'll get like a whiff 
of that kind of staticky black looking thing flying past his nose and it'll instantly like turn his attention towards something so um we kind of see that he seems to have given up on his his attempt to go to college or his ability to go to college um and it looks like he's kind of struggling with something we don't really know what yet and as we kind of go through it's kind of like the normal school day he goes through and he's having like these whiffs and instincts continually will be happening and he's very in his own head um very like kind of isolated from the rest of the the school and stuff like that and he's talking like to himself and thinking and stuff like that and uh he ends up um going <laughs> well there's a lot of etchy etchy moments but essentially he's like staring off into space and this girl happens to have her legs open and her underwear showing and so I don't know if that's the reason that he has to stay after school and clean up or what but um so it seems like he's kind of fighting his instincts in a lot of cases. He sees a dead animal outside, and he's constantly thinking to himself, don't look at it, you know, don't do anything about it. I'll, you know, I'll just pretend like you don't even see it. And then we see after school, he's cleaning up his classroom, but he's also apparently buried the cat or dog or whatever it was. So we're kind of getting this, like, weird vibe, and it's very mysterious because we didn't, you know, no, literally nothing about this guy other than he's, like, foregoing college and um he does have these like insane senses he's talking to himself saying like all of a sudden recently you know i don't need glasses anymore you know i can hear long distances i have this crazy sense of smell and stuff like that and um he he's like out late he can't sleep and he basically smells across the valley like this fire up in this um like little garage on a mountain and he goes up there and it's this massive fire and he sees this girl inside um, she's basically in lingerie, just sitting there and we kind of saw that she was basically killing her, trying to kill herself. And he actually goes over there and he's like, oh shit, I got to go save her. And then he finally kind of spills the beans that he's got this weird power. He can basically turn into this like big ass dog mascot. Um, and I guess he's like super strong, super, you know, durable and shit like that. And he breaks in and into this fire building blasts a wall and then saves her but as he does so he kind of has her laid on the ground and he gets this weird like the smell again and this instinct kind of takes over and he starts to like kind of basically investigate her um <laughs> her undergarments if that makes any sense um and but he he kind of holds himself back and then turns back into his human form and uh, the police are coming, so he ends up leaving, but he left his phone. So she wakes up, um, and she knows now, I don't know how, to be honest, she probably shouldn't know that he's the little uh, mascot guy, and the fact that, like, this is my biggest problem with it, is, like, they showed her, like, really groggy and, like, waking up after he was basically gone, so I don't understand exactly how she knew this was the guy that, you know, saved her, you know, that makes sense, but then to know that he actually turned into this crazy dog mascot thing didn't make any sense to me, um, but so he's freaking out, and she starts blackmailing him and says, I know you're a monster, you know, do what I want, or I'll tell everyone you're a monster, and he kind of, you know, he, he's being smart at first and saying, like, look, there's no way she could, she could know what I am, you know, that kind of thing, and uh, so she's kind of, or he's keeping her at an arm's 
arm's length distance, but he does want his phone back and he kind of wants to like close this loop because this is kind of like a big issue for him because he's not even really sure what happened to make him a monster and he doesn't know this girl or what her deal is. So she asks her, her she asked him to meet her on the roof and she's kind of like hanging off the side and she's like, okay, well, uh, if you're not the monster or whatever, my bad here, here, come get your phone. She puts the, the phone off on the, the edge and then he comes out to get it and she kicks him off the roof <laughs> and, uh, he falls down and transforms into the big ass mascot right before he hits the ground and there's a massive explosion and stuff like that. And then he leaps from the ground to the third floor back up to her and, you know, threatens her and basically is like, look, why did you do that? She goes, wow, you don't care if anyone can see you. And we see one of their classmates from across the building uh, saw him on the roof like that. But she kind of thinks to herself, like, was that just, you know, a daydream or what? And so they go ahead and talk. And, and uh, this girl basically tells him, like, I know there's monsters like you out there. And she wants, like, the deeds as to what the heck he's, how he became a monster, what's going on. And she shows him a coin. Now, this coin looks exactly like the one that we saw in the intro. Um, it's got this little star on it and some writing down at the bottom and he doesn't seem to recognize this coin at all. So it leads me to believe a little bit that he wasn't the one in the beginning. So, you know, that's a little confusing to me, but, um, so she basically makes him be her, you know, a little slave sort of, and like kind of walks around and makes him follow her and stuff like that. And she tells him her name is Claire, uh, Claire, uh, Aoki. Um, and so she's like this blonde girl. She's a freshman supposedly. Um, but she looks like pretty well developed compared to, uh, him who's his, his senior. But, uh, sh she takes him back to her apartment to basically interrogate him more and figure out what's going on. Obviously she strips in front of him cause why not? And, uh, he's having this, you know, this animal instinct continually, you know, brushing over him, washing over him, which, you know, is visually triggered for us as like that little black smoke um, puff that we see kind of go go across his face, and uh, he basically says, "Look, I'm a male, uh, you know, <laughs> adult male. This happens." So essentially, showing that he's gotten his engine revved up just a tad here uh, as she's stripping in front of him. But she puts a clothes, some, I guess you can call them clothes, back on a shirt and some underwear, and then starts interrogating him more and. We see it on the outside on the, the balcony, there's this girl with, you know, a face mask and a hoodie and all this stuff. And he's like, hey, do you know her? And she goes, no. And so this girl breaks in and starts attacking them. She like instantly knocks out Shiuchi and then goes after um, Claire. And basically, she's basically saying like, I, I know that you have the coin or something like that. You give me the coin. And Claire shows it to her and is like, oh, yeah, what this is the coin that you're looking for. What does it mean? Or, you know, what's it about? And uh, so she's basically asking for more information, clearly doesn't have the information about the coin either. And Shiuchi transforms into his dog man and uh, basically grabs this girl. And then we find out that she can also transform and has a similar power to Shiuchi. And this is sort of the end of the episode. Um, basically confirming that he's not the only one, but it does show us that there's this mystery going on and we don't know what's going on. So that's, that's really the first episode. Um, my thoughts on it were, it was definitely interesting. I think, you know, the etchy stuff's a, a bit much, but you know, I don't really give a shit either. So there's that. 
but the the mystery is quite interesting. I'd like to know who that person in that first intro scene was because it was weird as hell. <laughs> um like a vending machine only for this coin and stuff like that that was odd and then uh obviously claire's got some some weird uh situation going on where she basically goes to commit suicide because somebody didn't answer her phone call didn't make a whole lot of sense she's like looking for um other monsters like um shiuchi which is also interesting so she knows there's more than just him he apparently doesn't know there is so it's like kind of kind of an interesting like situation, and supposedly um, that girl that broke in at the end called them gatherers. I assume that means there's a group of people out there that are gathering these coins to be basically get powers from this machine. Um, I'm really kind of struggling on putting some of the pieces together. I didn't read the manga or anything like that beforehand. Um, this was a show that was animated by Pine Jam, which is a animation studio I've never really heard of. Um, there's one show, I looked through their catalog that I did know, and it was actually an OVA called The Cool-Headedness of Hazoki. I've heard of it. Um, I haven't watched it. but uh, So basically, relatively unknown anime stu- or animation studio. And it was directed by Kazuhira Yoneda. Don't know who that is either. But it is streaming on Funimation. I did not watch it on Funimation. I watched it somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, I think this is pretty interesting. Uh, I think it cl- clearly shows like there's there's definitely something going on around the world. And like the mystery aspect, I think comes from you know we're watching it through the eyes of the main character who clearly doesn't know what the hell is going on, right? And he, this like all started happening to him randomly, and we don't really get any information from that either. So. I don't know. It was, it was pretty interesting. I'm definitely looking forward to episode two um, of this and obviously beyond. But yeah, I just uh, thought I'd give you guys a quick review, maybe some some backstory on what Gleipnir even means or like what it might mean, something like that. But, you know, I think maybe since he kind of his like weird monster form is like this little dog. um there's definitely like something going on there with like Gleipnir being uh, related to the chain that binds Frenrir, which was a big dog, uh, wolf. Um, so you know they're playing off that a little bit. I think um, one one interesting thing I didn't mention was um, both of these monsters, uh, obviously Shiuchi Kageya, and then whoever this girl was. Um, they both have these like crosses in their eyes that kind of like light up and sh- basically form when they go into their monster form. And uh, we don't get really a whole lot of information about that, but I just found that interesting and pretty cool little uh, like visual cue that these guys are special or different or something like that. Um, looking forward to see what the deal is with Claire, how she knows about this stuff without actually like being one of these people. And uh, just kind of going from there. You know, I'm definitely interested in seeing what's going on and why this girl just tried to kill herself for no reason in underwear. Very interesting stuff. But yeah, I just wanted to, uh, you know, lay this down for you guys, give you guys an extra little bit of content this week. And uh, just, you know, if you want to follow along, uh, make sure you're listening every Thursday to our episodes on uh, on the podcast, you know, Apple, Spotify, yada, yada. Obviously, this is also being filmed for YouTube, so if you want to see some of the images that popped up and stuff like that, that'd be cool too. And yeah, I'm just going to throw it over to Ricky, and he's going to tell you about Tower of God. Deuces.
What's up? This is your Professor Ricky here in the Isolation Edition in my lab away from the lab, aka my abode for the YouTube gang that is watching this right now. Um, it's also my gym and my office and my only source of contact with the outside world. But what I'm trying to say is I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope everyone is staying well and distanced and following all guidelines to get us through this particular predicament. Um, Hopefully that y'all are getting to binge all the anime. It's the only thing I could wish for you guys. Uh, and me and Ethan just wanted to make some uh, extra content. I believe he probably at some point explained that earlier in this <laughs> in this uh, bonus episode. Uh, you just listened to him talk about Gleipnir, this interesting mi mystery uh, Ichi left field show that actually the second I finish this, I'm, I'm going to go watch it because it seems really interesting to me. But for my segment and for these bonus episodes, I want to talk about Tower of God. The show that visually to me looked the most interesting when we talked about our predictions for this current season. It's a South Korean webtoon that actually came out in 2010. Um, and then it was picked up by Crunchyroll and TMS Entertainment. More specifically, Telecom Animation Film, which is a subsidiary to TMS, who did Dr. Stone. So you already knew it kind of had these animation chops, but I watched the first episode, and just from what I saw in those 23 minutes, I got mixed feelings. I got mixed feelings. I, I don't want to make any uh, large assertions uh, about this show until I have had uh, my hit of three, the religion of three. Um but let's start with the let's start with the bad. So I don't even know if I'd call it bad because I think it's a little too early to even assert whether if this is going to be a bad thing or not. But they're taking a very high risk, high reward uh, idea from telling the story and, and world building and exposition, and that is something that I think a lot of shows when they hit, they hit really hard, and when they don't, it, it just feels like the pace is so choppy and stagnant. What I'm talking about is kind of keeping as much of the details of the world of mystery as possible. Think Made in Abyss, where you were kind of shown this world uh, in a very brilliant way, but the way that they did it, it slipped details to you so you don't feel in totally unconnected right off the bat. You know, new information was fed to you in a very welcomed pace. Uh, the details were either shown sometimes through exposition verbally, sometimes it was just through sheer, you know, scene direction or the actions happening on screen. Now, Tower of God, it not only feels like it knows it's doing this, but it's kind of being up its own ass about it. It's it's very almost like, ooh, we know we're mysterious. We're not going to tell you anything. Um, and, and that made watching the first episode, you know, it, it intrigued me on a level of wanting to know the things that they were very forthrightly not telling me. Um, they threw a lot of things at you, and I'm going to set the stage for you what this first episode kind of goes through, and if it feels choppy, if it feels like there aren't a lot of details for you, that's because there isn't. So if you're into that kind of storytelling where, you know, maybe 70 to 80% of the details and explanation for the events that happen in the first episode are explicitly not told to you. And you're like, Ooh, I can't wait to find out what that is. This is definitely going to be for you. Um, that kind of, uh, storytelling does intrigue me, but I wasn't the biggest fan of how tower of God feels like they're going about it. So where we are when you kind of hit scene one of episode one 
is you meet a kid named Bomb, and he uh, kind of is chasing down this girl who you found his name is Rachel. And out of nowhere, she disappears, saying, I'm going to the top of the tower. Um, you're no, no kind of explanation of the setting that you're they're in in scene one. And then he, basically, this Bomb kid basically is like, no, I'm going after with you. I'm going with you. And he then, you know, seems to have opened a door uh, instantly into uh, a gated area where you re- it's revealed that this is how you get to the top of the tower and start your journey. Um, the little little details throughout this next part kind of is helping me piece it together where he was called an irregular, you know, someone... Uh, as opposed to this girl you meet a little later, black-haired, very soon-to-rate chick named Yuri, um, basically is called a regular and also a princess. So I'm curious to find out in what capacities she is actually royalty um, and what is meant by irregular and regular. We kind of know that regulars seem to be living in these towers for a while. Um, they are known. They seem to have... Uh, monikers like titles and stuff kind of like princess and the irregulars as it was quoted by this interesting bunny mage looking dude called a navigator i believe that's what is what it was called he said that irregulars are people that make it into the tower of their own fruition basically they got in themselves which leads me to believe there might be other ways of getting into the tower that involve other people dragging you in again still foggy Still interesting, just very like, all right, just kind of give me a little bit of grounding in this story right now. Um, this bomb guy, uh, B-A-A-M, bomb, um, he is told that to get in, you have to basically pass a test. And there's this insane looking monster behind this gate. All right. And he is told you have to avoid this snake looking eel thing um, and destroy this black steel ball in the middle of this room and this Yuri chick and a guy that comes with her almost very servant like uh, basically are watching him because they're bored I guess they just find it interesting and the navigator this bunny mage looking creature um, seems to be the gatekeeper the the keeper of this particular space um, this is where I think all of the good kind of came crashing in and totally you know just for a single episode review locked me into okay this might be something special and that is the visuals oh my god folks students this is i'm gonna break it down for you right now i don't think i've seen an aesthetic like this since maybe megalobox kind of had it a little bit it's like a kind of cowboy beboppy but all the line work is very rough, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's almost as if it's drawn with a pencil, beautifully animated, and um, everything is still, despite that, extremely crisp. You know, it's it's a 2020 show. And when I was told that it came from a webtoon, I was a little skeptical of how well, you know, it would translate an, an anime feel, because it's gonna be basically what I thought is a work that is adopting an anime style in no way is that the case it is beautifully animated Sakuga for days it's awesome and it comes on in full effect as this bomb kid is kind of going through this test 
and you know, the sakuga and the and the fluidity of all of the motion it's it's fantastic um in this fight we find out that uh he's going to basically be fighting uh a lot essentially he's going to this is going to be a fighting show uh at least that's the feeling that i got because this yuri chick comes equipped already with weaponry here at this at this particular test and she's not taking it so I don't know why exactly she had that or she was to help out the irregular because irregular seemed to be rare. Um, but she gives him a sword because she finds him cute. What are you going to do? You got a cute face. I'm going to help you out. She gives him a sword called the Black March. Now, it's a sword that um, Yuri basically didn't think this Bond Kid could use in its full capacity. Yet, somehow, when he called out to the sword... It gave him power back, and she's she the sword is a she, which you find out. Um, she gave him power just that one time, quote unquote. I don't I don't believe that for a second because that's that's just how this story is going to go. But in that moment, he gained a lot of power. He busted the ball, and um, the second he did, he disappeared. Poof, gone, um, and is told to us by the navigator that he is ascended to the next level of the tower which turns out to be um this sprawling beautiful uh field it's a very cool visual dichotomy because you're in like this green and dank kind of of gated area and then all of a sudden boom bright skies lush fields battle royale yeah so they basically have 300 people in this level at the end of this episode and told whittle whittle yourself down just kind of whittle just start killing your killing people you see um and that is the final piece that I think was really good is that some of the aesthetics of the characters that they introduced like there is kind of this fish looking chick and this like very dungeons and dragon cobalt looking uh lizard creature um, they, they went to lengths in this first episode to show you that it's going to be leaning, I think, on the visuals, on the world building, on the character designs. And, you know, as much as I really love really, really good animation like that, I, I still think, you know, when you ha when you are wanting to tell a story based on drip feeding uh your audience just little details there is an art to it there's a pace to that and if you can drip feed them enough early on to tell hey this isn't the whole story but this is enough for you to get your feet grounded so you can at least understand because there's a lot of things i don't understand to the point where i think it's to the detriment of the early story of this show i know you watch in four or five weeks, I bet, episode maybe five or six, they're going to have a drop. They're going to have a drop or like a bunch of things just kind of like all click. And I'm like, there it is. Okay. This, this, it, they're, they're kind of setting themselves up for a mic drop, but in that setting up for that mic drop, shows like that, I always get a little antsy because that is a really easy way to not not stick the landing. It's like going for that big trick that you haven't really done yet. You know, 
yeah, sure, they might be doing a triple gainer off the diving board, but are they going to belly flop or they're going to slam this dive? So um, high risk, high reward. I think it's going to be, it's interesting. I'm going to keep watching it because, you know, what else we got to do? Um, And uh, I I give this first episode, I think, like a solid 70. Um, It's got a 7.87 on my anime list, and I am curious to see if it will live up to that as the anime itself progresses. Um, I, I want, I want it to stick the landing pretty bad because I see enough of potential in this early stage of the show, just in this one app that it has a lot of breathing room to, to be something really cool, right? It's got, you know, these really interesting characters, really interesting weaponry, like in this battle royale, a guy to sniper and two of the people had just basic swords and someone else didn't have you know, jack shit. So, uh, they, they are intentionally setting themselves up to do something great, whether it is great or not has yet to be seen. I know that's a lot of assertion for like the first episode of a thing, but you know, you got to come into this stuff with a critical eye sometimes. And especially with a season as sparse as this, I'm going to hold tower of God to a very high standard because I want it to hit that. Right. I might get easily disappointed but you know what? That's if they're gonna take the risk with the story and the risk with the really out, like out there character designs, I'm gonna take the risk and give a little bit of hype. So, I'm I'm pretty excited about uh, Tower of God. I, I think you'll guys get much more robust, um, you know, review after I have my three. But uh, this is how I'm gonna do mine. You know, I'm gonna walk through, maybe not reveal too much uh, spoilery type stuff, but uh, definitely talk about the beats of the episodes that I have. So outside of that, you know, I'm watching, uh, I finished up food wars, which I don't see how exactly there is a season five after seeing how season four ended, which I'd love to talk about maybe in, you know, another one of these isolation situations, some of this extra credit, if you will. Um, and I'm, uh, watching Coroquino basket, which Boy, howdy. That's that's some that's some high octane hype and another show I'd love to talk about too. Um But yeah, uh hit us up on hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on uh on Gmail, tell us what you're watching, tell us what to watch. Someone has told us to watch My Bride is a Mermaid, also on my list, also nearly halfway through it. Also hysterical, but we'll talk about that at another time. Um, you know, go check us out on Spotify, Apple, um, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fixed, we'll probably be there. And, um, hey, YouTube gang, get used to this setting because this is, this is where we're going to be for a while. So, you know, I'm Ricky. And I'm Ethan. This has been Weebology. Deuces. Weebology.